No book on earth is deeper and richer than the Bible, and few passages of Scripture go deeper than the book of Romans. Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. You'll hear verse-by-verse preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. Open your Bibles with us to Romans chapter 10 and listen in to part one of this message as we learn together from God's Word. Uh, Psalm 19, Romans chapter 10. Have you ever realized that in life there are just some weird things? Matter of fact, there's there's probably even some what we would call like unreasonable things. Like I, I think there's some laws that are maybe a little bit unreasonable. A little bit unreasonable. I don't know how you feel about it. I was reading this week and uh, um, read about some unreasonable laws. Uh, in, in Chico, California, within the city limits, it is illegal. Now, you might find this unreasonable. It is illegal to build, and I'm reading it here, to maintain or to use a nuclear weapon within city limits. Yep. You guys should laugh better because I'll keep the jokes coming. The law began in the 80s as a serious, uh, they said serious anti-nuclear statement. Um, it has taken on a kind of an internet joke, but it's, it's really a law. And if you are found building, maintaining, or using a nuclear weapon, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to find this shocking, you will get fined $500. So if you can afford the millions of dollars to build, maintain, or use, by the way, if you use a nuclear weapon, $500 fine is the least of your problems. But that's what it is, Chico, California. In Connecticut, pickles cannot be sold unless they bounce. Yeah, unless they bounce. According to a 1948 article, the law became necessary after two scheming pickle salesmen sold uncrunchy Pickles. And by the way, you are a jerk if you serve people pickles that aren't crunchy. Can I get an amen? That's just a bad cucumber, all right? That's all that that is. Pickles need to bounce. They need to be crunchy. And by the way, there's no such thing as a good bread and butter pickle. The only pickles that matter, can I get an amen, are dill pickles that you can eat with a sandwich or on a hamburger. Somebody say amen in the house. You say, well, I disagree. You're allowed to disagree. We just don't care what you think, all right? Or I don't. My mom loves all those. Oh, Chris, let's go to a pickle store. Mom, I would rather sleep in. Mom, I would rather have ankle surgery. I don't want to go to the pickle store because there's only one kind of pickle and it's Vlasic and it's crunchy. Can I get amen? But in Connecticut, when you drop it from one foot, it has to bounce or it's illegal to sell. I don't know who figures all that out, but that is the case. In Georgia, in Gainesville, Georgia, the chicken capital, I'm told, of America. It is illegal to eat chicken, fried chicken, with utensils. You can only eat chicken with your fingers. By the way, somebody should say amen to that. If God wanted you to have a fork in your hand for chicken, he would have made you with a fork in your hand. No, no, no. You've got fingers. Chicken should be eaten with fingers. I'm going to ask this. I'm going to go out on a limb because you're quiet. If you laughed, I wouldn't ask this. Uh, how many of you would actually admit to eating fried chicken with a fork or a knife? There's four of you. We have a special support group for you. All right, we have a special support group. It's, it's, it's called Nuts R Us. It's led by Bernie Lund. And so, 
Um, and then I, I found this. This is one. Oh, by the way, in Georgia, in Gainesville, Georgia, in 2009, supposedly, I wasn't there to see it, but supposedly a tourist was arrested for a chicken forking violation. 2009, can you imagine that? That's something. Well, uh, I, this one I found to be the most hilarious uh, because my family is from Texas and this is from Arkansas. And if you know, the, there's an interstate rivalry between Texas and Arkansas. But in Arkansas, it is a state law that you have to pronounce the state's name correctly. I will read from the state code. The only acceptable pronunciation is in three syllables with the final S silent. The A in each syllable is the Italian sound and the accent on the first and last syllables, Arkansas. So those of you from the West, it's not Arkansas. Okay, that's possessive, like we own Kansas. No, it's not our Kansas, it's Arkansas. And so it's a violation of state law to say our Kansas. And next time I go, I'm gonna say our Kansas just to see if I get a ticket or something. I think that'd be weird. Now, I don't know if those are unreasonable or or if they're just weird. They're probably a little bit of both uh, insofar as the state laws uh, are, are concerned. But the reality is this. We are often unreasonable. We are often unreasonable. We saw two weeks ago in our study of Romans chapter 10, if you'd jump in there to Romans chapter 10 with me, verse number nine, we, we saw the clarity of the gospel in Romans chapter 10, verses nine to verse number 17. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The word saved is a Bible word. That means you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when you were once on your way to hell, now you are on your way to heaven because you put your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, verse number 10, uh, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that he died, he was buried, he rose again, and you trust only Jesus Christ as your savior, here's the Bible word for it. It's not a silly word. It's a word we embrace. You are saved. Thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? An eternity in hell separated from God. You're saved. We noticed two weeks ago, we called it the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel, listen to me clearly, is incredibly simple. It's incredibly simple. There's people who make massive amounts of money and they have tremendous amounts of influence because they work very, very diligently to try to make the gospel sound complex. You know, the Bible talks over and over and over again about the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Some people come up with systems to talk about their theological or their what we call soteriological worldview. Soteriological is just another word for salvation. They, they come up with these systems and, and they make the guy about the, 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 the gospel super complex. I want you to understand very, very clearly that the gospel is very, very simple. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way, except you come to me as a little child, you shall all likewise perish. If your system is too confusing for a child to understand, it's a hellish system. 
Well, God picks this one and he doesn't pick this one and this one and maybe you will and maybe you won't and and maybe you're in limbo for the rest of your life. No, no, that's not God's idea. The gospel is simple. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus was buried. We sing about it. His blood washes away your sin. And if you will put complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he promises to give you eternal life. And he says, any that comes to me, I will in no wise or in no way cast out. We understand that God The gospel is not only simple, the gospel is available. Look at verse number 11 of Romans chapter 10. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. That word whosoever means anyone. It means all. It's the Greek word pos. It means the totality of mankind is what it means in context. That whoever within mankind will believe on Jesus Christ, he will not be ashamed. Verse number 12. There's no difference between the Jew or Greek. Here's, here's what he means. God does not care about your nationality. God does not care about your heritage. God doesn't care about your social economic background. God doesn't care about the color of your skin. God doesn't care about the language that you speak. God doesn't care about what part of town you grew up in. God doesn't care if you were raised in a section eight house or you were raised in in a high rise in Manhattan. God doesn't care about any of that. With God, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For the same Lord, verse number 12, overall is rich, rich how? Rich in his abundant mercy to forgive us of sin, is rich unto all, totality of mankind, anyone, unto anyone that will call upon him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gospel is available to everyone. Well, I speak Spanish. Jesus died for Mexican people. And when we get to heaven, we'll eat Mexican food. Amen. Yep. Jesus died for Italian people. And when we get to heaven, we'll eat Italian food. Jesus died for British people and English people. And when you get to hell, you'll eat British food. I can't believe you'd say that. You've never eaten in London. I'm just going to move on because now the joke started coming. And then we see in verse number 14, how then shall they call on him of whom they've not believed? See, some people want to make the gospel so complex and they want to say there's a select group over here that God is speaking to, but to you over there, he's not speaking. He just tells you that you're going to die and go to hell and he finds great glory in the fact that you're going to die and go to hell. Let me be real candid with you. That's a doctrine of devils. The Bible says that he's speaking, God speaking to the nation of Israel in the book of Ezekiel. The Bible says this, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his evil way. Turn you, turn you, turn you from your evil way. For why would you die, O house of Israel? Let me be very, very candid with you this morning. From an intellectual perspective, it is incredibly dishonest to say that God is picking some people to go to heaven and won't let other people go to heaven, that he creates them to die and go to hell. That is incredibly intellectually dishonest with the scripture. It is morally dishonest with the scripture. It is fundamentally dishonest with the scripture because Jesus came to all the world and he is not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish, but that all past totality of mankind would come to repentance. God wants you to be saved. That's his desire for your life. That's his hope for your life. 
Well, I read what some dude said. I read what Jesus said in his word. That God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I read God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I read that God commended his love toward us, totality of mankind, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I read in the scripture over and over again to turn from your evil ways. Receive me, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, uh, upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I read throughout the Bible that Jesus loves you. If you like what you've heard so far, check out CanyonRidgeRadio.com. You can see videos and listen to hundreds of Bible messages that will help you in your walk with the Lord. You can also send a message to me and Pastor Chadwick. Check us out at CanyonRidgeRadio.com. Now, back to the message in progress. And the gospel is clear. The gospel is simple. The gospel is available. And the gospel is to be propagated to all mankind. You say, you're kind of fired up. I get fired up when I think about there are friends that I have that don't know Jesus, that need to know Jesus. And I'm so thankful that they don't have to run through a system. I'm so thankful that they don't have to run through a regiment. I'm thankful they don't have to do a bunch of works to be saved. I'm thankful they don't have to try really hard to be saved. I'm thankful that all they have to do is humbly bow their knee and accept the free gift that Jesus Christ offers when he earned it on the cross of Calvary for the sin of mankind. And you might be old and need Jesus and you might be young and need Jesus. It doesn't matter your age. He is willing and ready to save all that call upon him. I was talking to a lady at the great 30 service and I said to her, I said, now you came to our church about six weeks ago. You didn't know Christ. What do you think? She said, pastor, through the preaching and the teaching here at Canyon Ridge Baptist Church, I know without a doubt that if I was to die today, heaven would be my home. I've put my faith in Jesus. Praise God for the power of the preached word of God. We see it's propagation. Well, then the question is asked as we come to our text. Then the question is asked in verse number 18. Paul is writing here. And we understand that uh, some stuff has gone on in this text with the Jews that are in the church. And, and here's what we understand about this text, is that God continually proves himself to the point where unbelief is unreasonable. God continually proves himself to the point where unbelief is unreasonable. Here's what, man, it fires me up in a, in, in a probably a, a good way and maybe sometimes in a bad way is when people say, I can't be a person of faith because I'm a man of science or I can't be a person of faith because I'm too intellectual. Let me, let me be very, very candid and very, very kind. God proves himself over and over and over and over again to where the only reasonable conclusion would be that Jesus is the son of God who died for the sin of mankind. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, he will give you eternal life. That is the reasonable conclusion. Well, Paul is talking here in this text and the question is being asked in verse number 18, but I say, they have not heard. 
Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. I want you to notice the result of Israel's rejection. We know that the nation of Israel, back in Matthew chapter 12, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 12, rejected God as a nation. And so the, the reality is in verse number 18 that Israel was guilty. And Paul is asking the question that someone would have no doubt asked, and the question would have been, yes, Israel is guilty, but have they heard the gospel? Have they heard the good news? news? Have they heard the truth? And so Paul is answering that question in verse number 18 with a quote from Psalm 19. Now I ask you to find Psalm 19 in your Bible. Would you turn over there real quick? Because this is incredibly important. And, and verse number 18 is a quote from Psalm 19:4, where the Bible says, there is a line gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. So this is a, a, a psalm that declares the glory of God's perfection and the wonder of God's perfect law. And he talks about here in verse number four that the line has gone out throughout all the earth. People have seen it. Well, what is he talking about? Verse number one, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day utter his speech and night into night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language, where their voice is not heard. And he goes on, uh, verse number four, the line has gone through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as the strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Here's what Paul is talking about, what Paul is referring to. Has Israel heard? Have they heard the gospel? And Paul is saying, yes, God has revealed himself through nature to the nation of Israel. The heavens declare the glory of God. It's what some theologians call the book of nature. You look at nature and you can't help but be amazed at the beauty and the wonder and the amazement and the suddenness and the creative subsistence and sustaining power of this world that is kept in order. You, you can't help the more you learn about creation to understand that there's a God in heaven who is keeping it in order, that if the earth was off its axis just one simple degree, everything would fly into oblivion. You, you can't help but be amazed at the wonder and the creative power and the sustaining power power of God, nature points to a creator, God who loves you. But then he goes to verse number seven. And it's what we call the book of the revelation. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. God revealed himself to the people of Israel. Back to the book of Romans, turn back there, chapter 18. God revealed himself to the people of Israel through the book of nature and God revealed himself to the people of Israel through the, the book of what we call the revelation. And we say it this way, the, the, we have a general revelation of God creation. We have the specific revelation of God, his word. And when Paul is asked this question, have the Jews heard? Has the nation of Israel heard? Paul is able to say with tremendous authority, yes, they have heard. They have heard and they have seen from creation and they have heard and they have seen from the revelation. You remember back in, 
in Romans chapter 9 a few weeks ago as we were studying it, that the nation of Israel was specifically chosen by God to receive the word through the prophets and the priests of God, those who would write the Bible uh, to the people of Israel. They were specifically chosen for that purpose, a blessing that no other nation on the earth had, no other nation on the earth would have, and they were blessed incredibly by God to have both creation and to have revelation, and, and they have they both pointed towards a coming Messiah, and the nation of Israel had that, and Paul says in verse number 18, but they walked away from it. And so because they walked away from it, because they rejected the nation or, or, or the message of the gospel, because they rejected the person of Jesus Christ, the message goes then to the Gentiles. Look at verse number 19 of Romans 10. But I say, did not Israel know? First, Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I anger you. But I say, this is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not, and I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But Israel saith, all day long, have, um, but to Israel, he saith, I should read that correctly, it really changes the, the meaning. Um, but to Israel, he saith, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands into a disobedient and gainsaying people. Here's what God says, you've rejected me, so I took the message to the Gentiles. Israel's rejection of God did not mean that God was through with the gospel, not at all. Though the marvelous message of the grace of God was sent to them they, and they rejected it, God didn't shut down the message. No, no, God sent it to the Gentiles that they might be saved. And this is a prophecy that was found in Deuteronomy. I'm not going to read it, but Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 21, which is a reiteration. And this is a reiteration of the question that is asked in Romans chapter 9 that we looked at a few weeks ago. Over and over again, Paul is helping the people at the church at Rome to understand God has spoken to you. People of Israel, God has spoken to you. You rejected him. Now I'm going to the Gentiles. Now I'm going to the Gentiles over and over and over again. If you reject the gospel, this is what it seems as though the Lord is saying. If you reject the gospel, I'm going to take the gospel somewhere else. But the gospel is not going to sit silent because you rejected it. And so he says in verse number 19, but I say, did not Israel know? Come on, guys, you knew. Moses told you, and by the way, Moses told you that I will provoke you or prod you or, or, um, agitate you. Not, not in a, not in a, uh, uh, intentional agitation, but I'm going to try to get your attention, if you will. I'm going to provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, meaning they're not a specific nation. Not that they're not human beings, but that they're just not a specific nation that are no people. And by a foolish nation, I will anger you. And when the phrase foolish nation is the, the Gentiles were foolish from the Jewish viewpoint that they had not received the knowledge of God. The Jews call them a foolish nations. And God is saying, I'm going to take the gospel Jews that you rejected and I'm going to give it to the Gentiles. And I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. Number one, so that the Gentiles might be saved. How many are glad that Gentiles can be saved? Oh, I'm thankful for that because this German, Irish, English, West African, French guy needed Jesus. 
Gentiles can be saved. God did it so that the Jews would be jealous. Verse number 19, I did this to provoke you to jealousy, to cause them to turn back to God. And God did this to fulfill the prophecy of the scripture. Isaiah chapter 65, verse number one. That's what he says about Isaiah in verse number 20. I am sought of them that ask not of me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I am so thankful that the gospel reached me. I'm so thankful that God through the, the, the delivery of the word of God and the conviction of the spirit of God drew me to himself. I'm so thankful for that. Never conclude, dear friends, never conclude that simply because some person rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Bible is not powerful. The Bible always has been and always will be powerful. And one person may reject the gospel. And truth be told, many will reject the gospel. Jesus said it this way, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. Many find the broad road, he goes on to say, and few find the narrow road. But don't assume that the gospel is without power. Understand that the gospel has the power to change lives and understand that the gospel is always changing lives. God is still, verse 21, God is still speaking to the nation of Israel, even in their rebellion. Even in their rebellion. Just in verse number 21, notice this. All day long have I stretched forth mine hand into a disobedient and gainsaying people. Disobedient, they refuse to go along with what God says. They're just rebellious. Gainsaying, they're antagonizers. They're incredibly sarcastic. They're in complete opposition. You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Tune in next week as Pastor Chadwick continues this powerful series of messages from Romans. Speaking of, if you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian, the Bible, and how to go to heaven, we invite you to visit CanyonRidgeRadio.com for more information. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement to you. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, Make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m. at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, pastor, or how to know Jesus as your Savior, visit our website at canyonridgeradio.com.